To the new week, Money Miners. We've got Genesis to say Barb's have resumed trading for their new deal of the Leonora asset sale. It's finally been released. Uh, say owners Moblin Lithium Resource has increased. We've got Regis Resources releasing a poor pre-quarterly announcement. Musgrave Minerals, they've put out a PFS for their 4.4 gram per tonne Q gold project. And Minres now also in the essential metals arena. Welcome to Money of Mine, Monday, 17th of April, Trav and JD. Gentlemen, how was the weekend? It was good, mate. Got to see how you live out there. You did. Come out to the sticks. Thanks for looking after the kids and playing <laughs> basketball with them. No dramas, mate. Thanks for the invite, mate. I think um, we're, we're, we're the new uh, babysitters, should you ever need it. And I showed off my uh, lamb chop cooking technique to render the fat beautifully with medium rare for Travi. He was very impressed. Don't forget so. the keg, man. <laughs> and the keg. Right, we've got a bit to get through today. Now, we, we highlighted this on Friday when the term sheet came out with St. Saint Barb's and Genesis. Uh, the, the deal has been recut. The official announcement's out today. We did cover it in Friday, so we're not going to go over it too much. But Genesis, they were initially up 20%. They're now sitting around 11% up. St. Barb's are about a couple of percent down. We went over it. What will St. Barb's be left with? So the sale is for the Leonora assets, primarily Gualia and the mill. St. Barbara will be left with their Atlantic and Simberi operations in Canada and PNG. They'll have $197 million worth of cash with, with 197 million bucks of cash with no debt. And they've also got interesting catalyst metals, kin mining, peel mining. They've got a royalty portfolio. Now, Trav, everyone wants the detailed analysis of what this deal means. Go back to the episode on Friday. But, Trav, I will ask you, St. Barb's are going to be left with these assets and the $197 million in cash. What do you see them doing with it? It's a lot of cash, right? And and. It's a, it's a company with with some undesirable assets, a lot of cash, and some a, a bit of a weird mix of shares as well. There, I think um, 197 million. Um, like you, you can you can read a little bit from from the announcement they put out. They're, they're saying that their their head office is going to be perfect. They're going to lower their corporate costs to sort of be more more suitable for their ongoing operations. So I think they're they're they're, they're they're going to be based in Perth with these overseas assets. I wouldn't be surprised if some of this cash is actually used to improve the value proposition of some of those assets and whether those assets remain part of their long-term strategy, I wouldn't be so sure about. They might actually look to, to get them to a place where they're saleable and then sell them. Um, and then then they might actually be attractive from um, an acquisition perspective for, for Genesis, you know, in order to sort of consolidate those shares, cancel them out and, and make the, the value proposition to, to existing shareholders so is that um, less similar, dilutive. Similar to a share buyback, so they might – so Genesis might uh, – buy back those St. Barbara shares and make the pie smaller. If, if, yeah, in the future, if if if, if St. Barbara's, you know, look-through value um, justified it, Genesis could acquire St. Barbara and then by virtue of that acquisition, the, the Genesis shares owned by St. Barbara become cancelled. Yeah, righto. Well, plenty more to come on that. We won't go into too much. As I said, go back to Friday, check that. Uh, great analysis that Trav did on the deal. Now we also say owner, the Moblin project, Trav, increased resource, 51.4 million tonne, 
at 1.3%. Lithium. From 30,000 metres of drill. And what's happening over there, mate? Yeah, I mean, this is this is pretty um, pretty interesting. Saying on his share price is up 6% on the day on this news. And the Moblin Mineral Resource is um, is their, their sort of growth project. It had a historic mineral resource there at at you know 12 million tons at 1.4%, but it wasn't drought compatible. They've put this drilling in the ground and and come out with a pretty substantial increase on that number, um, which is you know from from 12 million tons to 51 million tons. So that's quite quite large in and of itself. You know, the notable thing with this company is they just announced first production from the restart of their North American lithium project. And that's the the joint venture um, with Piedmont. You know, Sayona have 75% and Piedmont have 25%. And those um, like you know, at the moment, uh, product sales they're expected, you know, through the door from mid this year. Um, and the, you know, the company's guiding eighty-five to one hundred fifteen thousand ounces of spotulene concentrate production in the first, sorry, in the next half of the year coming, um, ramping up all the way to to two hundred twenty-six thousand tons per annum. On Friday, uh, the company put out a, a DFS in relation to that project, the North American Lithium Facility, and and I must say. I found it pretty a curious move to to release a DFS for a project that's already in production. You don't see that very often. In this case, I think it was probably just by virtue of the fact that they were in a, a you know a fast track to production um, restart of the North American lithium project. So the previous study in the market was a PFS. They were always doing this DFS work stream, but you know they were also um, just looking to to rush to get this thing up and running. And they put out the numbers for the for the DFS now. It was it was also an asset that they uh, got out of bankruptcy. Is that right? From another company a few years back. So I assume there would have been a DFS a number of years ago. Yeah, the North American Lithium Project was was a yeah was 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 an asset that did enter liquidation at one point. And from from say owners acquisition all the way through to production of that asset, they only it only took them two years. You know, albeit a lot of capex was already sunk there. So yeah. restart was could could be faster than you would ordinarily expect. Um, but back to back to back to Moblin, um, you know this, this is a, a deposit that's that's it's um, it's you know it's quite far away from from the North American Lithium Project, so it's not as simple as just a bolt on. It's it's, it's a separate potential growth project. Can Accord currently value Sayona's sixty percent share of this uh, project at five hundred and eighty four million, and and they're running a fifteen year, one hundred and sixty eight thousand ton per annum production scenario there, and. Um, like you know, back back to the sort of growth story. You know, this 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 company they went with the North American Lithium Project. You know, to to actually producing within two years, and and now now they've got like a genuinely good growth story in this Moblin that's beyond just going downstream, like you see with a lot of other um, peers out there, and their, their growth projects are just sort of adding adding more downstream. This is a genuine you know greenfields development, um, and at the moment when you look at this project, they're they're planning for another sixty thousand meters of drilling to come and they're, they're, they're going to bring out a, a PFS in, in May and a DFS by, by October this year. Right, Trav, if you're going to compare, do a peer comparison, Sayona to uh, Lithium Peer, Liontown seems to be the logical peer comparison these days. It's at the higher end. Where does, where's Sayona sitting? I, I, I like to look at, I mean, I mean it's, not a, it's not a bad comparison because they're, they're essentially both development plays and and um you know we say owners started production again but there's still ramp up risk there of course um lion town hasn't hasn't started 
um, production yet, but they're in development and, and, and are getting close to it. So they are, I think they are a fair, fair comparison. Um, and and I, look at, I look at where that Albemarle offer came in for Liontown. It was priced at about 1.38 times consensus broken nav. And you, you compare that to where Sayona currently trades at about you know, 0.7 times consensus broken nav. It's a pretty substantial value differential. Um, so, you know, make of that what, what you will. Part of that can be, um, you know, a North American value factor or, or it might be um, just just attributable to the, the premium that Albemarle factored into Liontown. Yep. Right. Let's get on to Regis. They've released a, uh, a poor pre-quarterly. Uh, they're down 11% today. Now, if you've read the first line, it looked all right. It's uh, 103,000 ounces at $53 million increase in cash and bullion. But this includes a $67 million tax refund. So you could say operationally they've gone backwards $14 million bucks. As I said, trading down 11%. They've revised their ounce and cost guidance. JD, unpack it, mate. Yeah, so I think what you highlighted with the, the stock price down over 10% really summarises what the market thinks of the announcement um, despite that headline, $53 million cash and bullion. So always good to compare these to what the expectations were. Consensus expectations for the March quarter were 120,000 ounces produced across their various assets and they produced 103, so... 15 to 20% miss on, on that. And the company hasn't provided any all in sustaining costs. It was just a, a one page sort of pre quarterly report. But from the revised guidance figures, you can see that the costs look like they are also a miss and um, gonna be significantly higher. So if we compare what the midpoint of all in sustaining cost was three quarters of a year ago when they were looking forward to 2023, the, the midpoint was 1575 Aussie dollars, all in sustaining cost. And it's now looking at about 1820 So quite a significant increase. And you do need to bear in mind that there's been cost pressures across the entire industry. And there's also been revenue increases with the increasing gold price. So we're expecting across the board costs have gone up and margins should also be going up commensurate with that increased gold price. Of course, there's a, a hedge book at, um, at Regis that hasn't served them so well over the past few years. So looking forward uh, on Canaccord's numbers, 20, uh, 23% of the next one and a half years. So roughly, I think 170,000 ounces are hedged at roughly 1,500 Aussie dollars. That's 1,500 Aussie versus the current gold price of 2,900 so I think you did a, a bit of back of the envelope maths on that one. Yeah, Maddie. well, if this hedge, they've got 100 from this, including this quarter, they've got 170,000 ounces hedged at 1571. So today the gold price is 2.992. Look, if you work that out, at let's say hypothetically the gold price is averages $2,900 an ounce all the way through that period. So that, that 170,000 ounces... Uh, that equates to $226 million in lost revenue from due to the hedging. Yeah, it's not great. In in particular, when you read this report today, issues at Gardenwell, issues at Eucton, issues at Rosemont, issues at Tropicana, you know, not all are necessarily the company's fault. They had 
poor weather like we've seen with a number of other operations across the country really over over the past quarter but yeah a lot of the assets not not really humming along at the moment which is a bit disappointing for the company uh, Trav is that that hedging is that going to stay is that locked in or is there opportunities that that will be drawn out a bit longer? It, it, I mean, you can look at a company's hedge book and it will say they're delivering X amount of ounces at at Y price um, at on you know on a certain date. And the reality is that quite often these companies they will refinance their hedge book and and spread out their obligation over a longer period of time so that they can benefit from an unhedged price for longer. Um, so in some ways, it's just sort of kicking the can down the road, though. But you know, you you, you wouldn't. It's not uncommon for for gold companies to just refinance their hedge book on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, because you look at their last quarter, so they got twenty five thousand ounces for each of these quarters coming up, and thirty thousand ounces for every quarter in FY twenty four. Yeah, it's a, it's about a fifth of their production over the given period, but yeah, about nearly half the gold price. So, look, uh, they've got the McPhillamy's buck coming online, JD. That's uh, they've got approvals for that the other week. That's going to be probably a big, big yeah, that's, kicker for Regis going forward. That's something that's really exciting. I think a lot of investors will be quite stoked with that. So the the approvals that they received uh, in a few weeks ago now um, were about five or so years in the making. So sounds I think Cana- sounds like a Canadian bloody mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this is in in New South Wales for for those unaware. So that asset is going to be um they're going to come to a final investment decision in the next nine months for that so some analysts have sort of uh penciled in construction starting beginning of 24 roughly two years of production that would mean first gold in the first quarter of calendar year 2026 and just to uh, give you a few numbers on this asset it's it's pretty huge they're expecting about just over 200,000 ounces per annum uh, it'll involve 540 million, according to some analysts, capital expenditure. So that'd be over 25 and 26. And yeah, nine-year mine life, I think it was for for an initial nine-year mine life. So it's it's quite an exciting operation, and that will sort of bring out the the expected ounces over those periods from 2026 beyond where we could potentially see Duke can come off a little bit. We'll have to see what the what the company comes in out comes out with there um and big big operation so seven million ton per annum yeah me. so like look carla winder that's four and a half million tons so it shows yeah i think the strip ratio was was six to one yeah. mcphillamy's there and looking at canaccord's um model they they've got dukedon so they've got mcphillamy's coming online 2026 and then but dukedon scheduled to finish in 2026 2026 as well so there's there's about a hundred ounce predicted drop in their hundred thousand ounces for their annual output so but there is based on the the resources there's four million ounce resource at uh dukedon south and another nearly a million at dukedon north so yeah there's probably potential uh, an upside risk is there's potential for resource mine life extension at dukedon so that could possibly uh not see as much of a reduction in gold pending a yeah, so you do see ounces drop off a bit over that 26 and beyond period, but always key to remember what we uh, have spoken about before is um, margin over ounces. So yeah. this it- new ore body coming online, you'd expect the, the costs to be significantly lower and, you know, depending on what those costs are, it doesn't matter whether you're doing 
300 or 400,000 ounces, it really matters the margin you're making. And it looks and, like the accounting cash model have got a lot of free cash flow getting generated from 26 months that capital's been put into McPhillamy. So, look, there is potential there. Yep, that's um, right. They're obviously going through a bit of a rough period at the moment. Now, Trav, how do you think they're going to fund McPhillamy's above $500 million capex? What's it looking like, debt or equity? Um, I think, you know, the market probably – you know, rightfully so, was was a bit upset at how dilutive um, their acquisition of the thirty percent of Tropicana was. Six hundred and fifty million dollars of that was was raised via equity. equity yeah. Um. So so you know, if, if financing McPhillamy's, my eyes are going to be pretty interested to see if if um how much equity, if any, will sort of they'll, they'll sideline for for the development of that. I mean, five hundred million is, is is sort of the the capex number we've got at the moment, and, and it'll be yeah. it'll be it'll, it'll be a while before they'll. So need all in, of that, but yeah, we've seen some num- numbers floating around that the company would have four hundred million off the top of my head in cash come, I believe it was end of twenty four. So that implies that money will need to be raised one way or another. Debt, I mean, the debt, debt can pretty easily do the rest of that. Um, it's just, it's just that if if their other operations are are cash neutral, then then come come time when you actually need the money, then that'll be that'll be an interesting scenario to watch. Yeah, Tra- Trav, you mentioned to me before for the Tropicana acquisition how they it was a massive raise very dilutive how they acquired that do you think they won't go down the same road be looking at more debt to finance this i think i think so i think i think the the general consensus in the market was was that was a big equity raise especially you know especially in gold you don't see an equity raise like that too often um and and especially i think the other piece that the market didn't quite like was was they had a general view that the price tag paid was too high um, and you saw their share price sort of come off in a pretty me- meaningful way after that acquisition, and, and that's not a coincidence. Yeah, they got a bit of a bit of ground to make up. So since the departure of Mark Clark, I think it was 2019, because they were up, I think a year before. Yeah, 2018. So I think they were up near six bucks, and they've like pretty much. Well, keep, keep in mind, why did they why did they buy Tropicana, right? And it was because they had a, the company had a growth pro- problem because McPhillamy's approvals were taking so long. And and that growth problem they solved via M and A there they paid too much probably, um, but now that growth problem seems like it's it's solved because they can actually build McPhillamy's. Right, next one Musgrave Minerals. So they've released a PFS today. So they've got a high grade deposit. Their Q Gold project, nine hundred thousand ounces with a head grade of four point four grams a ton. Very interesting, and in and around a lot of mills in that area. Trav. What's going on with Musgrave Minerals? This sounds very exciting. Plenty of news to come, possibly. I think so. I think you know, Musgrave. Um, the exciting thing that they've got there is this uh, break of day pit, and it's very juicy grade there. It's about twelve grams per ton, but it's pretty constrained, um, unfortunately. And, and and this company and their de- their deposits have been around for a while. Today they've come out with a PFS on the you know nine hundred thousand ounce Q Gold project. Uh, and it's the, the the headlines, the headline numbers there catch my eye. Pre-production capital 121 million NPV, post on a post-tax basis of 215 million with the 91% IRR, and and the head grade feeding the mill there is 4.4 grams per ton. And the, the, the interesting thing there, right? Those those numbers, that economics definitely stacks up, right? Just to to build a mill, but but these guys don't need to build a mill because there's a whole bunch of mills in the region um, and, and at that grade it's highly trackable to, to any one of them i count six mills all within a 170 kilometer radius there's Tuckabiana and uh, bluebird of, of west golds there's dalaranga of gascoins deflector of silver lakes kirkalocka um and then there's uh, the checkers mill for amelius so um i think this project and this company 
will be of corporate interest to to a lot of a lot of those neighbouring players because of the synergies you can unlock when when you uh, simply pair that resource with your existing mail. Um, and you look at the register of Musgrave Evolution sit there and they own about 4% of the company and we think West Gold have a small stake as well from their latest reports. So it's the strategy of this company looking ahead that's pretty interesting to me. Now there's some math out there in the market on what the economics actually are. Does this company, do they just put themselves for sale now? Um, I tend to think that strategy would, would probably be the best outcome for shareholders given the interest that we know is out there rather than you know progressing to actually try and build a standalone operation themselves. Yeah, I think Dalgaranga really stands out with that uh, their asset they're going on care and maintenance about half a year ago now. Of course, they've ha- had a small discovery at Never Never. We'll see how that sort of plays out, but that one sort of stands out to me. A lot of capacity. Yeah. yeah. And then and even I think the one of the head on shows on the board for Musgrave, Anthony Buckingham, he was – long tenure with Westgold in that whole crew. So, look, there's a there's a synergy there yep. uh, with Westgold as well. So, look, be interesting to see how, how it plays out. Uh, yeah. And we are in the season and the era of mergers and acquisitions. It's really heating up at the moment. New, Newmont and Newcrest are obviously the big one. But there's a lot of a lot of, this a lot of activity. A lot yep. of activity happening. So, JD, Minrez. They go significant on ESS. Yeah, so not ESS, not the uh, food and catering business for mine sites, essential metals. They're in the arena now for this war, which uh, IGO was looking like it was the IGO Wailu takeover, but now Minres are on the register. What's going on? Yeah, great segue talking about M&A straight into it. <laughs> so, yeah, we saw uh, Minres come out Friday evening late uh, announcing that they'd acquired just under 20% of essential metals. So essential, of course, we spoke about last week with the JV between Tianchi and IGO looking to take them out. So the company has a a shareholder meeting on the 20th of April where they're putting the scheme of arrangement, the the takeover um, bid that the JV has made to shareholders. So they need 75% of votes to go in their favor as well as a majority of shareholders. But now that uh, Minres has acquired about a 20% stake, it, it looks a hard sort of going for, for them to get that through. So I'm interested to see how that goes and I'm sure we'll cover it uh, come Thursday. But yeah, I guess there's a, a possibility that we could see something like what we saw at Northwest Energy and a bit of a, a bidding war between uh, various competitors. I think that was with, with Gina trying to secure the, the gas supply up there. I think it's interesting just to take a step back and look at the the companies vying for this asset and see what what are they sort of playing at what are they going for so with mineral resources it it seems to make a fair bit of sense they've got mount marion uh relatively nearby to essentials asset that's of course it's just north of norseman and uh mount marion is quite close to kulgadi and kalgoorlie in the area there essential infrastructure wise is a great asset it's nearby to the highway railway (laughs) gas so it, it looks like it'd be a good sort of bolt-on for them. They haven't actually come out and said what they want to do. They've just shown that they've got 20% of the company. So we're sort of waiting to see what Minres wants to do, whether they're going to put in a higher bid or whatnot. We'll sort of see how that plays out. But they've also got a 10% uh, shareholding in Global Lithium, which has their mana asset to the east of Norseman, 
which came out with a, a scoping study a couple of months ago. They've got a JV called the Norseman Lithium JV with Pantoro, who are in the area with uh, their Norseman Gold project. And uh, another asset of, of a lot of interest to various parties is Bold Hill. So that's in a bit of a complicated court situation at the moment. They, um, it was held by a company that went into administration, I believe in 2018, and Chinese group came and bought it. Then Ferb had other thoughts on that. And then it looked like an American company was going to swoop in, but there seemed to be links between that American company and the previous Chinese buyer. So it's all a bit of a grey area how that sort of plays out. Trav, Trav, it'd be rude not to ask you any more insight on Bald Hill, being our resident <laughs> person with losing a bit of hair at the back. I thought, I, thought you, I thought the analogy was it's near Kalgoorlie, and you were yeah, oh yeah, of course, <laughs> sorry, yeah. Hey, but no, it was, the it was the jab, at my, jab at my hairline, <laughs> low blow. What's the go with that? That's is that potentially a bit of a thing that IGO and that are looking for, and that as you said, IGO wanting to get a new. Lithium region? It could be. I mean, it's it's actually pretty hard to get good information about the status of Bold Hill. It is pretty strange that it's sort of been, um, in you know, ultimately in the hands of courts and administrators for such a long period of time. You don't see that very often, and especially in the sort of market where um, it would it would attract a pretty hefty value given the changing lithium fundamentals in, in the intervening time. So it's it's actually hard to know the status of the project and how far away it, it, it could be to sort of um, uh, becoming you know, like a public part of a public the portfolio of a public company again. Um, I would, you know, I, I, I could speculate that, that, that IGO and Tianchi's, um, you know, like their, their, their acquisition of essential proposed acquisition was, was, was them trying to look to enter this new lithium province. And maybe, maybe that was on the, on the long-term plans. We, we don't quite know. And then Minrez sort of steps in and, and, um, and tries to cause a bit of havoc um, in, in this deal might, might just be a defensive move saying, like, get, get out. Yeah. This is, this is our area. Yeah, one more asset worth mentioning in the area is Boldania that belongs to Liontown. So we'll see what, what goes on there. Obviously, Liontown have the, have had the bid and they've got a lot of work going on with their Kathleen Valley asset to, quite significantly to the north. But, yeah, just worth mentioning that that asset is in the area as well. I've got the perfect like to come on to talk about this. Alex Biggs, there, he's got lightning minerals down that way. So the exploration project. He and loves a good podcast chat. He'd give us a good insight about that lithium province. So shout out, Biggs. He's a great friend of the show. So good stuff, boys. Sensational. Uh, we'll get on to the recap of the other news out there. So uh, a group has shown on Mincor's register with a 6% stake. So Wailu have got 40%, but there's... Possible emerger arbitrage fund speculating. Lads, explain what emerger arbitrage fund is and what it does. It's not uncommon in, in, in M&A. For, there are certain funds that are set up um, as arbitrage funds and, and they ultimately just look to try and arb any any price discrepancies that, that they see between an offer price, the probability of a takeover actually happening um, and the price that it's, it's currently trading at. And they're constantly making that equation and buying and selling shares in the lead up to um, and a transaction completing. Yeah. So you well, you usually see a, lip, a big lift in the volume. Yeah. I mean, a, a classic, like an amazing example is, is actually when when Twitter was acquired by Elon Musk last year. Um, the market was not pricing in that 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 deal would eventuate, and it did. It was forced by courts to. Elon was trying to get his, weasel his way out of it to the extent that he could. Um, and the, the 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 arbitrage funds that took the view that that deal would complete because they had a firm understanding of. The, the law that applied 
um, made a, a very, very hefty profit in no time at all. You know, I think it was something crazy like 70%. Wow. Wow. Jeez. David Einhorn, a smart guy. Yeah. Uh, Lewin Medals, LM1. Uh, they've reassayed some old drill holes in Manitoba in uh, Canada. So they've found some high-grade lithium, best intersection 20 metres at 1.23%. So their main target is called... Spodumene Island. I think they literally Google Maps uh, Spodumene and found this. So I actually interviewed them uh, with Chris Piggott and Scotty Williamson. So that's on the Life of Mind Feed if you want to go hear about the LM1 IPO. Uh, no, sorry, it's on the Money of Mind Feed. Now, we've also got Latin Resources, who we talked about last week there, in a trading halt pending a capital raise. And also Carnaby have released some high-grade portable XRF copper assays. So all good, lads. Thank you very much. I think we picked a great time to get this money of mine happening because it is mergers, acquisitions, wheeling and dealing, speculation, and then we're, freaking then we're, season at the moment. It is great. We're soon, we're, then we're going to enter a, uh, a five-year commodity bear market and have nothing to talk about for a while then, Matty. So. Oh, we've started we'll, strong. <laughs> Become a tech podcast then. <laughs> <laughs> right, everyone. Good on your money miners. Uh, Thanks, guys. Any messages to the fans, Trav and Jones? Oh, follow us on uh, Instagram. It's, look, it's looking a bit sad at the moment. We've got to get some uh, followers up there, but we're trying to have a bit of a presence there. It's at Pod. And also Twitter and everything too. We're getting the uh, trying to get a bit of a Twitter presence. So I'm on the break, Twitter. Right, everyone, stay safe out there. Uru, happy investing. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.